Welcome to the latest episode of a brief series of oral history interviews with the trailblazers and pioneers who were instrumental in establishing the Franklin H. Williams Judicial Commission. Each of the recordings is an excerpt of an interview conducted in preparation for a documentary on the life of Franklin Williams. In recognition of a 30th anniversary of the commission, the co-chairs, Justice Troy Weber and Shirley Troutman, and Executive Director Mary Lynn Nicholas Brewster, decided to post excerpts that describe the early days and challenges of the commission. Today we feature Edna Wells Handy, the commission's first executive director. I'm John Carr, senior advisor for strategic and technical communications. People were, they were in some instances resigned to second class living, either in getting the jobs, who was being promoted, it felt as if those who were getting promoted were part of the friends and family club, and if you were not in friends and family, you were getting, weren't getting promoted. There, those who were, we looked at the law schools, we looked at the bar exam. Um, that was particularly uh, um, poignant for me because I had done work with the bar exam and, and looking at the pass rates for particularly um, blacks, and Latinos consistently 20 points lower, 10 points lower than others. Consistent pass rates or failure rates on the bar. So when we had social scientists look at it, apply their, t their measures to it, and it substantiated this disparity between blacks and whites taking the bar exam, I just thought that this is, this is fabulous. Now we can really, we don't have to keep wondering. Well, you could, it was like radio silence <laughs> to that finding. It was startling. And so we talked about that, those kinds of things. And partly it's, you know, one of his views is that, was that, you know, some people don't want to know. You know, it's easier to live in this nebulous space of maybe it is or maybe it's not. But when you find out it is, then it calls for action. And so one of the things he talked about is the need to keep pushing and he pushed. He was, when you talked about his personality, relentless follow-up and follow-through. Always pushing. And if you can't get it through the front door, get it through the back door. Calling people, calling. And we were able to get it through that kind of relentless follow-up. And the meetings, the reason he wanted meetings in every county um, was that New York State is so varied. It's farmland. It's the capital of the world. It's next to Canada. It's so he wanted to hear voices from all over. What was interesting were, was that the voices were saying the same things. Lack of opportunity. Um, some examples of overt racism. One was a Newson Bronx courthouse. One was separate uh, lockers. One for blacks, one for whites. Now, there could Ostensibly, there were reasons for it. People took lockers next to their friends. Your friends tend to mirror who you are. So ostensibly, there were reasons for it. But the, um, the, the perception of it became something that we really wanted us to address. And so he said, because perception is, in many instances, reality. And so we have to address the perception as well as the reality. Did you say noose? Yes. There was a... a Someone in, in the hearing talked about finding a noose in his locker room, in his locker. So the, we had those kinds of examples of overt racism as, as people presented it. 
So at the beginning, you, you've got kind of a fact-finding right. um, mission. And you, you go, go to 63 counties, and you get all kinds of facts. And then um, what was the process involved in writing that report? And we'll get into the details in that in a moment. Okay. But, um, that must have been a, a considerable undertaking. You had a lot of material to work with and work through. We did. And the good thing about it was it was it was in phases because we did the first report was the interim report which allowed us to really put together what we had learned the first part of our fact finding so we could then we didn't have to sift through that a second time as we looked to do the final report so we had the interim report and all the fact finding that supported the recommendations in the interim report then we had the um, drafts of the final report and the good thing was that after each uh, meeting, we'd have a report to the full commission. We'd talk about what we were finding. We'd talk about potential recommendations. So there was almost a running dialogue with the commissioners because the key was going to get, he wanted unanimity. So he, would, he did not want any dissenting reports. So it was keeping them in the loop, finding out what their concerns are, addressing those concerns, see if there's a way in which we can reconcile um, disparate views so that we can come up with a unanimous product. I understand. It, it needed to be unanimous kind of for the same reason that Brown v. Board of Education needed to be unanimous. Exactly. Um, and the report that you came out with was, uh, well, it opened a lot of wounds, I think, didn't it? It, it was, did. It was quite scaling, wasn't it? I, and that's, a, that's relative. For some who had been living it, it, it was their life, so there was a reality to it. For those who had not been living it, who had not, who had been not denying that it exists, it seemed pretty scathing. But it was just, it, to me, it was what it was. It was here are the numbers. Blacks and 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 other people of color didn't have access in the press. They didn't they didn't have press passes. They didn't get notice of what was going on. They they weren't getting business. So when we looked at it from that level. That was a piece to it. Law school, we looked at the pipeline of law school, and the numbers, here are the numbers. We're not getting the numbers in law school. We looked at the pipeline to executive positions in the court, judgeships, same kind of thing. So it was it was a landscape presentation of, of what many people lived. And we did it. It opened up eyes that there is a... A, there are systems in place that are resulting in outcomes that are suppressing talent. And there's a lot of talent that is in um, groups that have been historically prevented from expressing that talent, either through uh, jobs, through careers, through access. And so there are systemic ways in which we, we need to look at the entire court system, which, again, I think uh, Judge Walkler, this was no, you know, this was no easy feat on his part. He didn't have to do this. So for a court system to look at, look at itself in the depths that we looked at was remarkable. And so that's part of the legacy. 